Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Leela Winston. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's Bible study. As you know we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our everyday lives and also so that we can uh, discover the purpose of our lives and enact that in the earth. And so today we're going to actually do a Bible study on something that I have promised to do for a while now, and I'm just getting around to doing it, guys. I'm hoping that it can be consecutive, but um, sometimes things come up, um, and so we're going to see as we're trying to get back to our normal schedule, but um, we're going to start a series today on fruits. First Fruits is the name of this series, and it is a series on the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so we've had conversations on the gifts of the Spirit, and so now we're going to look at the fruit, right? So our anchor text today is going to be Romans chapter 8, verse 22 to 23. Again, it is Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 23. And so I'm going to get started. Grab your Bible and turn to our anchor text and let's begin for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. That is Romans chapter 8 verses 22 to 23. Now, even though we have these fruits of the Spirit, which we're going to elaborate on in some detail, this scripture here, I wanted this to be our anchor text because I want you to understand that whether you have gifts or fruits of the Spirit, and more specifically these fruits of the Spirit, it's not going to absolve you from the different things that happen in the world some of the you know um you know things that people will go through you know we live in a wicked world we live in a sinful society so when we read in Romans chapter 8 verse 22 and 23 it tells us some very important things that even though we have the first fruits of the spirit we still groan, right? Waiting for adoption of the body. And the reason I wanted to point this out is because I don't want you to feel like that though you groan, that something is not going right with your first fruits or with your fruits, is that you can have all the fruits of the spirit um, and be growing them quite nicely and you will still have this because of the sin that is in the world. Remember that. And most importantly, because we are awaiting the redemption of the body. Okay, so it says we are awaiting for the adoption of the body specifically uh, in this anchor text. So the literal body is part cause for our groaning. So it's not the spirit, it's the body that causes the issue, right? And so as long as you're wrapped in sinful flesh, there's always going to be this groaning. And it causes, and it is cause for our distress because of the sin that is literally within your flesh, right? And so it's an important part for us to understand. So even as we're understanding all of these wonderful fruits of the spirit, that fruits of the spirit aren't going to absolve you of the body. As long as you're in the body, there's going to be this groaning. As long as there is the sin in the earth, there's going to be this issue. So I want you to understand that fruits of the spirit don't make your experience on earth perfect. They make them livable. They make them manageable. They make them beautiful, right? So I want you to understand that how important it is and not just your experience, but the experience of others. Okay. 
So regardless, we still have the first fruits of the spirit. This also illustrates that despite the first fruits of the spirit, we still experience some travail and pain because our body has not yet been adopted or redeemed. Just keep that in mind. Your flesh wants to do bad things no matter how much fruit you produce, right? It it isn't, you know, redeemable in the world as it is under the return until after the returning of Christ, and that's what you have to understand. That is why the body is all about management, the uh, desires and wants of the body, which are sometimes not good. It's all about management. And if you're a believer, you really do need to understand management and how to manage not just your body, but relationships, the ways in which other people sort of trigger you and how you respond to that. And this is a part of what we do. The Bible likes to call it stewardship. It's kind of like husbandry. Like if you have a garden, you learn how to manage it. That's literally what you're doing because you're not physically causing the plants to grow. You're not physically causing things to occur aside from, you know, doing management type things, pulling weeds, watering it now and then. And so I want to point us out to another Bible verse because the fruits of the spirit are entirely helpful and necessary in our walk, even though we have sinful flesh. So don't let, because we are wrapped in sinful flesh, be something that tells you, oh, you know what? I cannot evidence these fruits of the spirit. No, despite the fact that we live in sinful flesh, we can still benefit from the fruits of the spirit. And I want to show you what it says the fruits of the spirit are and that's actually found in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 we're going to look at this verse these verses a lot because we are going to be studying the fruits of the spirit so let's go ahead and i'll start but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law okay What an amazing list of qualities. Don't you think so? Like when you think about that, it just makes you feel warm inside. These values are actually character qualities. The things that we call character in an individual, right? These are character qualities. And they are qualities that make any personality palatable to mankind and also to God. And I would also add even to yourself. And that's really one of the things that I want to underline when it comes to the fruits of the spirit, that the fruits of the spirit are not dependent on your personality, whether you are what you would call outgoing or shy, or uh, whether you are, you know, quick, quick tempered or quick tongued or whatever it may be. The fruits of the spirit can still have a major impact on your personality. And that's part of the reason uh, that we have them. It's why they are given to us because they demonstrate the ultimate benevolent character of God. And that is why the fruits of the spirit are so important and it's so important for them in our lives. So you will see all manner of people, you know, and unfortunately this is a fact. Sometimes it happens in the church. Sometimes it happens with believers who are well-meaning and who sincerely believe believe this, but you will have all manner of people making excuses for their behavior. Even some sort of immature Christians may be fond of the excuse of saying, well, it's just my personality. It's just the way I am, but it's really no excuse at all. No matter what your personality, if you are a believer, you should still evidence fruits of the spirit. It's not like, well, you know, because I'm a 
really verbose Christian, it means that I can't practice meekness. Or if I'm a really sort of, uh, sort of, I guess you're timid type of person, then I can't, you know, practice long suffering or whatever it could be. No, these things can, can enhance your character and your personality because you are evidencing the benevolent character of God. And you will see all manner of people making excuses for this. And I don't want you to be one of those people because when we say things like, well, that's just my personality. And I know personalities vary from person to person. You still have to be able to you know, evidence these fruits, right? So sometimes foul tempered people who are verbally or even emotionally abusive or manipulative, you know, these tendencies, they really just don't sort of fit with the fruit of the spirit. And so if you're having the fruit of the spirit, then it's got to root out some of these things. And when these negative qualities sort of take the forefront or the foremost role in the life of a believer, you can bet that there is an area of the heart or mind that is being neglected in the call to transform and be not conformed to the world, as it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So this is not something that just going to spontaneously happen, right? You have the um, you have the responsibility of conforming your mind, right? And that puts it in line with what the spirit is saying, right? And so this is what I want you to understand. It helps, you know, with the heart and how your heart grows and how your heart responds and what comes out of the heart requires you guarding your heart and being careful about what goes into it. And more importantly, what comes out of it, right? Let's look at what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is really important part of what we do. And the Bible is telling us that it is our job to be, it says be not conformed. So that means that's something you can do. It's not, it doesn't say you will not be conformed. So that means it's something you have to do yourself, right? And so we do have a role in this. And so the fruit of the spirit acts as a control lever for all personalities in Christ. This is what you must understand about the fruit of the spirit. No matter what kind of temperament you have, the fruit of the spirit acts as a control lever, right? It helps to sort of it's like a temperature or thermostat. It helps to keep things even, right? The timid, fearful man cannot remain so because love requires him to cast out all fear. Do you see? To take courage and to square up. And then, of course, the dragon-tongued person cannot keep lashing out against her household because the fruit of the spirit requires meekness, right? And the virile party boy with a huge libido cannot go running through troves of ladies because the fruit of the spirit requires temperance or self-control and that will not allow it. And so when you see people who have certain areas that have not been dealt with, yes, they are growing, but you have to understand it and the spirit is working, but you have to understand you have to uh, be transforming your mind in accordance with what the spirit is directing you to do. And a fruit of the spirit is self-control, right? the ability to be able to control yourself. You know, I, I'm one of these people, I don't believe people just can't help themselves in certain areas. I really don't. 
I think there are certain situations you can put people in that make things very difficult. But by and large, a lot of people who are saying, oh, you know, I just, I don't know why I had that affair or I couldn't help it. A lot of times they put themselves in that position. And if they didn't put themselves in that position, when the time came for them to exercise the measure of control, because they hadn't been doing it in the past, because they didn't flee from the situation, then they gave in to it. So it requires a lot of your uh, input. And there's actually a Bible study here called born this way. And I really encourage you to uh, listen to that Bible study series. It's three parts. It's called Born This Way. It talks about the ways in which we manage our emotions, our feelings, um, our proclivities and our weaknesses so that we're able to live an overcoming life. It doesn't just happen overnight. Certain feelings, proclivities don't go away. Just like we read in our anchor text in Romans chapter 8 verse 22 and 23, we saw that we still live in sinful flesh and so we are groaning in it because of desires of that sinful flesh. So yes, you know, your proclivity for being acerbic may not ever go away, but if you are conform, if you are transforming your mind and not being conformed to this world and allowing the spirit to go forth, you will exercise self-control and love and meekness so that you're not hurting others with your tongue, right? So these are important things that we can do. They're regulatory measures. And so what is very interesting and very uh, curious is that people are often over preoccupied, preoccupied with the evidence of the gifts of the spirit, like speaking in tongues or pastorship or, you know, apostleship than they are with the evidence of the fruits of the spirit, which, you know, I might argue it's probably more important than, you know, being able to have some sort of power. Many people sometimes, you know, let her lay better claim to gifts than fruits of the spirit. And I would argue that a fruit is way more important than a gifts. And I would rather have a believer. And this is just me. I'm not saying this is a, a rule or you have to believe it, but just me personally, I would rather have a believer who evidenced the fruit of the spirit over the one without them, even if they were able to move mountains and you know prophesy and do all these wonderful things you see people are overwhelmed with the power and the ability to control and this is why gifts of the spirit are so popular and the fruits of the spirit are not think about that I just want you to think about it why do you think the gifts of the spirit are so popular but the fruits of the spirit are not people rarely talk about the fruits of the spirit even Jesus spoke to the power dynamic in Luke chapter 10. And I really want us to look at this because I think Jesus knew the heart of men. He knew how people are. And I love how he addresses our very uh, small parts. Let's look at what it says in Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verse 19 and 20. It says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, I just want to read that one more time. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, 20 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven 
So it's important to understand mankind loves power, even those that are bestowed by the Holy Spirit and even born again believers. Okay. After all of the gifts of the spirit are actually just demonstrations of power, or at least a kind of power that we actually like to have. Let's just be honest. Who doesn't want to know what the future is in terms of prophecy? Who doesn't want to be able to heal, you know, a sickness or who doesn't want to be able to have a special gift of leadership, you know, in apostleship. I mean, these are things that are important to have a special edge, a certain quality that cannot, that, that is supernatural. Everybody wants this. That's what witchcraft is about. And that is what, um, you know, all of these different dark arts are about. It's about power, but I'm talking today about a different kind of power, right? You know, because people just, they like power. Let's just be honest. They like the power to control others, to control situations and outcomes, to obtain inside information or knowledge. But the fruit of the spirit are less flashy and they speak more to internal power to regulate oneself. And this is why they are not so popular. You will find an eight part series on purpose here, right? But you I mean, I'm sorry, you will find an eight part series on purpose from practically every, you know, um, person who teaches the Bible or any pastor or whatever, but you rarely find an, even an overview on love. Think about that. This is really huge, right? Even we have a, um, we have a Bible study here about purpose as well. It's called talents. There's one called talent and the other one is called the calling. And I really encourage you, if you haven't discovered your gifts already, uh, I would encourage you to listen to those, but I think just as important. And I promised you guys when I made those that we were going to talk about the fruits of the spirit. So now we're doing that today. And so it's really important for us to really talk about the fruits of the spirit and love is a fruit of the spirit. And as a ministry, this ministry, Love Walk, is focused primarily on the fruit of the spirit called love. At Love Walk, I want to underscore the value of fruit, right? Now, I'm not saying gifts aren't important. You know, we had, we have two series here at Love Walk on purpose, on, I'm sorry, gifts of the spirit, there are Bible studies here on purpose. So, you know, I believe in those kinds of things, but I'm going to be honest with you. The thing that's really important and the reason that this Bible study is called Love Walk and it's focused on a fruit of the spirit, because I feel like these are some foundational parts of what it means to be a believer, right? The value of the fruit. The fruit is evidence of that important inner work that takes time and trial and discipline to achieve is the part of our love walk that requires denying ourselves and monitoring the soil of our heart. I really think we need to understand that. So free of the spirit differs from gifts of the spirit because one implies a level of growth, production, and even work. You don't plant gifts or harvest gifts or even produce gifts from the richness of your nutritional intake, right? You don't do that, but you do need that from fruit, right? You need work, you need nutritional intake, right? You need a harvest. There is a lot implied when we speak of gifts versus fruit. A gift requires zero sweat equity and says nothing about me except that the giver wanted to bestow it upon me. Conversely, fruit says a lot about the quality of the soil, 
the quality of the seed, the maintenance, and the management of the plant, and the health of the specimen. Having big gifts often obscures the absence or even the scarcity of fruit in a person's life. That's sometimes things that I've noticed. Most people are focused on the power of the gift over the power of the fruit. And God said he gives gifts, all gifts, without repentance in Romans chapter 11 verse 29. But he doesn't say that about fruit. And I'm not suggesting that he will take fruit from you. What I am saying is a gift requires no doing on your part to receive or operate or maintain. Fruit, however, does. The spirit works the gift in you. Fruit requires growth, seed time, harvest. It is possible to be a believer with weak and sickly fruit. Fruit requires obedience to the Holy Spirit, perhaps more than gifts do. It requires preparing and transforming your heart and mind and soul for the accepting of the direction of the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 29. It says, For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So this is not something you need to earn. This is not something that grows like fruit or requires nutrition. It's just something that is given to us freely by God. So have you ever planted a vegetable or a fruit? If you haven't, I just want to encourage you to try it just one time. Put a seed in the ground. Have you ever noted how some look versus others for instance if the soil is bad and lacks nutrients the plant may produce small or inedible fruit and we see examples of what bad soil can do in matthews chapter 13 when the sower goes out to sow for now let's focus on matthew chapter 13 22 where it talks about soil in relation to being unfruitful so let's look at matthew's chapter 13 verse 22 it says he also that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful so we see in this verse that the seed did not sprout in fact it sits it became a whole plant i'm sorry it did sprout okay the seed did sprout and it became a whole plant but there's something that didn't occur in this scenario and i think a lot of times when we read matthew chapter 13 we kind of overlook the fact that yeah the plant did sprout it did grow it grew into a whole plant there was something that didn't occur it didn't become fruitful and you have to read the text very close to actually see this or you will think that it says that the seed did not grow right no the seed did grow and even if you look at mark chapter 4 verse 19 it actually gives us the same angle of this concept let's look at mark chapter 4 verse 19 it says and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It's about the fruit, not just the planted seed or the plant. God wants to multiply and also you have to remember the only way to multiply believers is through fruit. It is why the Bible says that the world will know us by how we love one another in John chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 because what causes men to sprout are seeds right but what causes more seeds are fruit right so if you you think about the sower he puts seeds in the ground and they become plants but the only way for him to get more seeds is if he has 
fruit. Remember that. There can be no more seeds without fruit. So fruit is an evidence of multiplication, of growth, of health, right? It is meekness, temperance, love, gentleness, goodness, faith, joy, peace, and long-suffering that feeds people. These things, they feed you. These are fruit. These are things that bring nourishment and health to the body, including the called out body of Christ. This is how you can tell if something is living and in good health by how it reproduces fruit. We often look for gifts of the Spirit over fruit of the Spirit, forgetting what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 and 8. We want to see a man speak in tongues, but not have the temperance to shut up and just be graceful and gracious with fellow believers. We want to see someone command the devil, but cannot command patience with their own spouse. Fruit of the Spirit is a much more powerful witness than commanding water to be turned to blood. Because, and I want to say this, because even the astrologers and the soothsayers of Egypt could do that in Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter 7 verse 20 and 22 actually shows us where even the seers and the magicians of this world were able to sort of mimic uh, or reproduce the very same uh, miracles that Moses did. Let's look at that in Exodus chapter 7 verse 20 to 22 it says, And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants, and all the water that were in the river were turned to blood, and the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with the enchantments, with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Right? So we know that there are secular seers as well as biblical prophets. So you have to know what truly sets you apart as a follower of the way is those fruits of the Spirit. Other people can do things and, you know, have a measure of success or it looks like they have power over spirits and people. Plenty of people have good doctrine. Sometimes it's stolen, but they kind of use doctrine that really, you know, they didn't come up with. They didn't think about God didn't inspire them in any kind of way, right? It's kind of like we see with the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19, verse 13 and 17. I think this is a great example of something that would, that started with the early believers, people watching early believers in the lives that they lived. These men were using someone else's anointing, that would be Paul, or authority in God, pretending it was their own. In fact, it wasn't just the seven sons of Sceva. The text says in Acts chapter 19 verse 13 that there were more people who were vagabond and those seven sons were among them using Paul and Jesus Christ's name to cast out demons. Now this is a really interesting text and I want us to read it because it really gives us an understanding of where it's possible for people to mimic what it looks like to be uh, empowered by God, to get a quote-unquote word from God, because they are 
pilfering it from different things. It's not their own. They're kind of uh, sort of um, appropriating it, right? Like a coat, like you might put on someone else's coat and pretend to be them. Let's look at Acts chapter 19, verse 13 until 16. It says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So you see that the seven sons of Sceva and those vagabond Hebrews had some measure of success in grifting kind of off of Paul and using the name of Jesus Christ. But when the rubber actually met the road, those (laughs) evil spirits, you know, kind of knock them out, right? Many people are actually grifting off of others' work or anointing or authority, right? That's why you have to read the scripture for yourself and you can't put all of your eggs in the basket of power, the basket of, of, um, you know, these spiritual gifts and what you're able to do because you'll have people who are secular, who are in the occult doing things like this too. But what is going to differentiate you is going to be these very important fruits of the spirit, right? You could face some very tough adversity. And sometimes I think this happens that God hasn't called you to when you sort of start trying to be or do like someone else. Just be confident in what God has taught you. Be confident in what God is teaching you. You don't know the calling that other people have on their life. So just be happy with what God is doing in you. Maybe someone gets, you know, all kinds of words and teachings like every three seconds. That may not be your gifting. That may not be how your gift works, right? But when we are overwhelmed with the power of the gift rather than the meat and potatoes of the fruit of the spirit, that's when we start trying to, you know, compete or be like others or have evidence more power or woo people, wow people by our gifts, right? It is also proves that power, insight, and sagacity or wisdom of this world leads to fame and renown for some people. And that is what people covet, unfortunately. Just like we heard about, there was a man who, um, He was following, he was a sorcerer, Simon the Sorcerer. He's another example of a man who just wanted a grift. He just wanted the power, you know, that he saw the disciples have. And so it's important for us to understand what that means. Some people just covet renown or money that they can get for it. So the grift can be practiced for a period, but they really belie no growth or even an attachment to Christ as we see with the seven sons of Sceva and the vagabond Hebrews. Sometimes the pastor isn't gifted or anointed. It's the people who write his sermons or the person he lifts content from. They are the anointed ones. He is simply using the gifts as his own to appear gifted or to appear wise, right? He has no fruit, only magic tricks to tantalize the ear or the eye and collect donations, right? But 
We know we are his because we have fruit, not just special powers. This isn't about just having a special power to zap someone. And so while gifts are manifestations of the spirit, fruit is evidence that you are connected to the vine and are growing. It says more about your heart than the demonstration of gifts as it as it is demonstrated in the parable of the sower. The sower teaches us that you can be a seed that sprouts, germinates, and grows, but produce no fruit, right? Okay? It's why you can meet, you know, a vile pastor, which seems like an oxymoron, or religious folk who engage in all sorts of barbarism, right? We've all met people like that. It's because they have neglected the weightier things of the spirit, which is fruit. Fruit is an indication of the overall health of the tree and the soil. And we learn in the parable of the sower that the soil represents the heart and the seed, the word of God in you. So as we endeavor to look at the fruits of the spirit, we must endeavor to determine the state of our hearts as well, because our hearts have the ability to listen to the guidance of the spirit or not, right? The spirit may want to show love, but the heart, maybe not so much. It is our choice to determine how we will heed the Spirit's prompting as it pertains to the fruit of the Spirit. In, two, in, part, in our next uh, part on this, um, in, on this series, we are going to look at the amazing spiritual fruit and we're going to determine their impact on our lives and on others. So I hope you will stay tuned. This is just sort of an introduction for us to understand a little bit more about the fruit of the spirit versus the gifts of the spirit. They are absolutely different and they belie or they, um, they tell different stories about who we are, who we are becoming, right? So I hope that you will stay tuned as we go into the fruits of the spirit. And as I said before, this may not be consecutive, but we will definitely get through it all. Uh, if you want to check out some of the uh, free Christian resources at lovewalk.substack.com, you can go there, download the information. It's yours to keep, to enrich your soul, to share with your Bible study or group. And then also, if you would like to support Love Walk, I want to encourage you to visit paypal.me forward slash le L-A-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. And if you go there, you can support. It is paypal.me forward slash L-E-L-A-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that God continually blesses you. Bye.